and welcome to Survivor Social, the Survivor podcast, where we discuss and disentangle Survivor with a focus on the social elements of the game. My name is David, and I'm joined by my incomparable co-host, Tegwith. How are you doing, Tegwith? I'm so good. A little sad about this week of Survivor, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later. But other than that, I'm so happy to be here as always and excited to break down this episode with you. Season 44 is firing on all cylinders, and today I feel like a mom who dug through her child's poop for a tooth. And before we dig into all things poop and Carolyn and Survivor, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on Spotify and on YouTube. And if you have any hot takes of your own that you want to be heard, make sure to send us a message at SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com, and we will read them here. Speaking of which, we received our first listener question. Yay. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yes. Hit me. Hit me. I'm so excited. Let's do this. So Rebecca S asked, which old school winner do you think would struggle the most with the new social elements of Survivor and the new school gameplay? Wow. That is a really good question. Um, I think we got a good look into that in 40. We got to see a little bit of like, you know, uh, old school players in this like new school era. Mm -hmm. Um, Who do you think? Do you have a, do you have an idea? Honestly, my first thought was Brian Heideck because I look back and I just think about certain ways that he handled certain situations or certain comments. And he, looking back, I think he did have a good social game. Like everybody liked him, but I just think some of the comments he made and maybe some of the more chauvinistic remarks would not fly in 2023. So I'm going to say Brian Heideck. Very good answer. I didn't even think of Brian. uh, And I think that is maybe the best answer out there. I was almost going to go Richard Hatch, Um, you know, the uh, OG survivor winner. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know exactly why it just kind of more of a feeling now people might adapt obviously, but that's just, that's just my feeling for today might change tomorrow. That's, that's a very fair answer. Richard is a wild card and he likes Mm -hmm. the shock value. So I I definitely see that as a great answer. And thank you, Rebecca, for sending in your question. And again, if you have a question, feel free to shoot us an email, message us. We would love to hear your question. We'll answer it here on the pod. So let's get into this episode. What an episode it was. And we start on Ratu, Ratu, and Matthew claims that him using the shot in the dark at the last chaotic tribal was a strategy. Do we think that he believes this or is he just trying to like convince himself of this? What do you think? I think, I think it actually was. I think it was somebody who didn't want to choose a side. He was, he kind of had an idea of what was happening, the chaos that might go down. And he just didn't want to, didn't want to put his, his, his name out there. And I think this is why he did that. Um, I really don't think that he felt like he was up, his name was out there. He might've heard, heard it, you know, you kind of always hear your name in the first, first week. Uh, I do think this was a strategy. And this was something that I think a lot of people were questioning about after the premiere. Like, did he do this on purpose? I mean, obviously he did it on purpose, but did he do this just so that he didn't have to write down a name? And I think this kind of confirmed it, at least for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it did work for him. I don't necessarily know his rationale, but I do think it worked for him because Brandon, who was you know, the star of of that last tribal in a lot of ways is unhappy at Kane for voting for him and doesn't trust him. But he doesn't express that about Matthew. So I do think that worked in a way for Matthew. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I do feel bad, really pretty bad for Kane because like, you know, he's playing the game. He did what he is supposed to do at tribal council. He wrote down his somebody's name uh, and it just happened to be the wrong person uh, just because of an idle play. Um, so I am really happy we got to see that all kind of break down after tribal because I feel like in recent times we haven't really been seeing the like aftermath of a vote. So I'm super happy that we got to see that and the producers gave that to us. And I'm Really hoping that, you know, Kane is able to turn it around, especially in this fast paced game. Sometimes you're not able to get out from under that rock that if, if, if it happens. Um, so I hope that he's able to kind of turn this around for him. I hope so, too. I like Kane. I especially like him because some of the things that he says, they are very quirky. He said that the last tribal was a barn burner. I don't know if that's a Canadian <laughs> saying. Canadians, please write in and explain if if this is a Canadian saying. Barn I just burner. So good. I only know that from the uh, Goofy ride at um uh, at Disney World. There's a barn burner Goofy ride at Disney World. I don't even know if it's still there, but that's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> I, I, I kind of love that. It's and great. this this time before the challenge today is jumping around from camp to camp to camp. So we started at Ratu and now we're going to jump to the Stoka tribe and we hear from Matt, the other Matt, and Matt is saying that he's using Survivor as a healing process after his breakup. We heard about that a little bit in the first episode and that's a very interesting way to heal, you know, starving yourself and playing mind games for a million dollars with strangers. Interesting healing choice. Um, And he also says, this game could not have gone any worse for me. I lost my vote twice. And as much as I understand, and it's easy to beat yourself up, you're still in the game. You were not voted out, Matt. So look at it as a positive thing. Absolutely. And I know we talked about a little bit about this last week. I'm interested to see how, if he actually, like, how, when these two votes are going to be gone, like, do you think this is going to go into merge? Uh, I think this is when your social game really is important, especially when you have no say in the game. He really has to rely on those connections. Um, And, you know, I don't know if those connections are there for him right now. I feel like he's obviously made one connection, um, but, you know, has, is the rest of the Soka tribe feeling like, you know, that they are close to him? And I don't think that they do. I don't think that they do either. Obviously, Franny is, and that's a great thing. And he has has endeared himself to her. But you're right. I think that depending on how long the votes are going to affect his game or the lack of votes are going to affect his game, it could be really important to build those bonds with other people on Soka. And they seem very personable. They all seem like warm people. I think that if he tried a little bit, he could. And I'm sure there are things that we haven't seen where he is interacting with them. But I hope that I hope that he does. Absolutely. It's just, you know, I feel like in real life, when you find somebody that you really click with, you stick with that person. Um, It's much harder to do that in Survivor because you have to click with pretty much everybody and give everyone equal time. If you don't, maybe somebody feels like they're on the outs and they'll go for you or you just have need those social social connections. Um, But, you know, he feels close to Franny and he feels like he gets along with her. And when you're hungry and tired and cold and all this stuff. You just kind of want comfort. And that's what he's getting from his relationship with Franny and vice versa. Um, But I do like that they're showing that they're both cognizant of the fact that they're being perceived as a power couple, uh, a showmance, if you will. Um, And they're really trying to do things to break through that, like to, to, to change that. They're, they're very aware of what they're putting off. 
I think that is step one to fixing this issue, if we should call it an issue, a uh, social faux pas, perhaps. But yeah, Franny says that she and Matt should reduce how frequently they talk. And I agree. That is that is great. And Claire's face of disgust confirmed that they need to do that. Absolutely. Let me just say, Claire is giving uh, us some really great content, some amazing facial expressions. Uh, I just am obsessed with her and her just like volunteering to sit out. Just uh, amazing as always. But, you know, yeah, when you're there all the time, you see a budding romance or, or, or just a really close friendship, whatever it is. Um, it might when you're there 24 seven, it might might rub you the wrong way, kind of get on your nerves almost. I felt very represented by Claire and her faces of disgust, I will admit. But we'll get back to Soka. Soka, Soka. We're going to now jump to Tika. And Helen is talking about the fact that she believes there is tension. The birdcage, it's in the back of everyone's mind. And Carolyn then brings up looking for the key. And Jam Jam says, it's time to do it. Just for the fun of it. Just because it's on everybody's mind. And let the chaos Absolutely. Before we get to the chaos, let me ask if anyone else other than Jam Jam brought up like, oh, let's just go do it. Let's just do it for fun. Let's go search. Do you think it would have been taken as well as it was? Because I think there's a way to approach something like this. You know, Jam Jam's funny. He's likable. He's approachable. He is just, you know, giving off really great vibes to the tribe. And so because he's gregarious and and funny and and fun i think that he is able to do something like this which is like let's just do it for fun um i don't know that everyone could get away with something like this i feel like there are people who maybe don't have that personality type um who would maybe suggest something like this and a lot of people would go oh wait why why do does this person want everyone to like search for it uh and so I feel like it's very interesting that I didn't really see much backlash uh, for Jam Jam just to say, let's just all search. And I found that very, very interesting. I think that's interesting too. I think perhaps Carolyn could have also been the one to suggest it and it could have just been seen as her being her normal kooky self. But I do think that Jam Jam was the best person to suggest it without making people question or become more skeptical than if somebody else asked it. Absolutely. Like maybe if, you know, I'm not saying Carson isn't fun and funny, but you know, if Carson did it, it might, it might be perceived in a different way. And that, this is what it all comes back to, you know, in Survivor, you're all kind of peeled down to pretty much first impressions, especially on this fast paced, uh, fast paced seasons with 20, only 26 days. Um, and so, you know, you gotta really know how you are perceived by other people. Uh, and that is why, for example, I really love that Carson didn't volunteer himself to do the puzzle. He knew that might be perceived as a little bit too pushy, especially, you know, whatever it is. And so I just think that it's, you know, perception is everything. Perception is reality in life, but especially in Survivor. Uh, and so, you know, good for, good on Jam Jam for knowing that he can do that. And, and, and he has that like rapport with other people. Yeah, big props to Jam Jam. And I also think once you recognize how other people perceive you generally, the the box that they put you in, try and work within the confines of those boxes and try and become predictable in a way so people feel comfortable. Because if you start being super erratic or you show some behavior that you had masked or you had hidden, it's going to make people worry about what else are they hiding. So yeah, maybe doing what Jam Jam did, say, this is me, this is my persona i'm sure this is who he is but i'm sure this is an amplified version of who he is and i think 
yeah, he's the type of person who get could get away with something like this. So there they are. They're looking for the key to the birdcage. Carolyn is in a tree. And I think this is a crazy way to end the segment before they go to back to the Ritu camp. But she's in a tree and there's a snake coming at her. I think that's so funny because like I this is I just think it's funny that there are even like snakes still on these islands. I don't know. In my mind, like they do Survivor there like for a month on end every single year. How is there still wildlife on these on these islands? I feel like if I was a snake, I'd be like, no, thank you. I want to go somewhere else. This is not for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to swim to another island. Um, But yeah, she found a snake. I honestly for a second thought she was lying. I thought she was saying it because she saw the key and she wanted to like throw people off. And then nope. Nope, it was an actual snake. (laughs) Just so funny. That is funny. That would have been a good strategy, honestly. And you're right. From like a ecology perspective, I'm actually very interested as someone who literally studies forest restoration as my job. I really want to know what the impact of using those same islands over and over and over again is. But that's that's a discussion for Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, if I ever meet you, Jeff, we'll be getting into it. But it's going to be on an anyway. on fire podcast next week. Yeah, on fire first, the podcast next, the <laughs> islands. They better be careful because I'm a little concerned. But anyway, so from Tika, we go back to Ratu, and Kane is looking for the key to the idol. The entire tribe notices him, and he's being very obvious about it, and they decide to look for it as well. Um, Kane then finds a crab, and people are like, that's nice, but that's not where the firewood was. And you said you were going to look for firewood. Come on, Kane. Yeah, I am. I'm actually, you know, you got to do what you got to do. He feels like he's on the bottom. He knows he's on the bottom. Um, He knows that he was the only one with the target on his back right now. Uh, And so, yeah, he went out looking for idols. Um, I... I'm a little, like I said, like I said, I'm just nervous for him and his position in his tribe. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And yeah, he came out with a crab. So a slight win, but it kind of confirmed to everyone else that he was looking for an idol. But if I was on his tribe, I wouldn't be surprised that he was looking for an idol. You know, only one with the target on the back. I wouldn't be surprised either. Perhaps I would carry a few pieces of uh, firewood with me everywhere I went. True. <laughs> Dra- true. Drag them behind me just for, you know, good looks. But exactly. Anyway, so we're back to Soka and Danny is the one to find the key and he is so excited he wants to tell everyone and then he's like just kidding I'm not gonna tell anyone and then he flosses that was the funniest thing I've ever seen ever like I just love that he just like I it's so funny I just I can't I can't verbalize how I felt in that moment because I don't know why it impacted me so much but it just felt like this normal dude was excited for something to happen. No one's around him. And I just like to picture that that's how he, how he celebrates alone in his apartment. Like he just like gets up and flosses immediately. Uh, so funny. Um, and I'm super happy that Danny found uh, this because I think he's very interesting television. Um, I love that little, like, yeah, I'm going to shout this with everyone at not like that was such a funny bit. And I am happy that he was able to open it up, see that there was a fake one and a not fake one. And, you know, I'm happy that we're actually going to see this play out. Um, And the fact that he was able to put it back, lock it and close the drawstring, which we'll talk about later. um, I think it's a very, you know, 
cool thing that he was able to do. Now, do you think he's already rehidden the key? Do you what do you think he's going to do with the key so that somebody else finds it? To be honest, I had not thought that far ahead. The reason being was I was just so proud of him that he actually made it look like everything was untouched. Meanwhile, other people whom I love dearly did not necessarily do the same. Do you want to get into that? Do you want to dig through through the poop? Emotions are heightened on Survivor, and that means your lows are going to be really low, but your highs are going to be really high. And the fact that she found the key and she got it and she was just like, whatever, I could totally see myself doing that. You know, you kind of just get lost in the moment. Um, Now, I feel like it might have been better to either not put it back or, you know, I think it's either do one or the other, not in the middle halfway. Um, Because I think that's almost a little bit like sneaky. And if she's the one that, you know, plays the idol and people know that it's her, that I think could come back and maybe be a problem. Um, But just emotions everywhere out of control. How did you feel? I think the lead up to Carolyn finding the key and then obtaining the idol was incredible. The story about the fact that she dug through her son's poop for three days to get his tooth because he swallowed it. That is persistence. That is unhinged. And if she's willing to do that for a tooth, imagine the lengths that she will go to win this game. And I think what she did exemplified that. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you know, they didn't know it was her. I honestly was shocked that nobody thought it was her because if a group goes off together and you're not in that group, that's not that great uh, in terms of strategy wise. And the fact that maybe uh, obviously we don't know the timing of everything, but everyone comes back and then the thing is open. But Carolyn was the one that was off. Uh, Very interesting to me that nobody maybe picked up on that. And I think that's a great testament to truly being yourself out on the island. If if you are somebody who is exuberant and out of this world and all fun stuff, be that. And then people might think that, you know, you're not a threat and they don't think that you would do that. Uh, so, you know, props to her. I think so too. I think this is a testament to a few things. I think it's a testament to her being herself and sort of, obfuscating people's view of who she really is as a strategic and social threat by being goofy and fun and herself. But I also think it is something that I like to refer to as 4D chess syndrome. And that is when players on Survivor feel like the most complicated move must be what is occurring. The most complicated scenario, the most most intense scenario must be the thing that's occurring. And we start playing Clue. Detective Carson is on the case. He suspects Helen based on body language. You know who I think would actually know? Philip Shepard. I think they should have brought him back personally. But anyway, Sarah thinks it's Jam Jam. Jam Jam thinks it's Sarah. It's actually Miss Scarlet in, in the ballroom with a candlestick, but nobody's nobody's picking up the hints. But 
Yeah. And no, and I love that little bit of editing where they went from each person, you know, uh, I posted this on my TikTok, but I thought it was so funny where I immediately thought of a, a scene from Parks and Recreation where uh, somebody broke a coffee, coffee maker, and they all are kind of pointing fingers at each other. But it was actually the person who like told everyone about it. Uh, the one who smelt it, dealt it. Um, so I thought that that was such a funny scene. Um, and it, exactly what Survivor is, you, you always think that there's something going on. You always think about that. Maybe it's this person. Maybe it's this person. Maybe it's this person. So, you know, your senses are always going going off. Uh, and great, great editing from the, from the editing team. Uh, and just, you know, good on Carolyn to not be picked out of the bunch. Absolutely. Sometimes just not being involved in the drama in the typical way, she is obviously in the center of that tribe in terms of being a kooky personality, but not necessarily being like everybody else actually worked out for her. And I also have to say, I find it very refreshing that although these scenes prior to the challenge were focused on obtaining the idol, I still think that they were character scenes in a lot of ways. We still really got to know people. And I saw a lot of complaints on social media about the fact that we spent so much time looking for idols. And I understand that these seasons can be very advantage heavy and advantage focused. But I do think that we saw a lot of character and personality while people were looking. Absolutely. I am not looking at gift horse in the mouth. I am very happy we got so much from tribe camps. I, that's all I really ever want. I don't need people to go off to different islands and do different things and do the blah, 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 blah. I like to see the social interactions between people. I like to see camp life. I like to see that they're just, you know, trying to get through 20, every 24 hours and make it to the next day and make it to the next tribal. And I love to see how they get along and the things that happened. And so if what we need is for people to look for idols in order for me to get that, I will not complain. I'm very, very happy to just see all of these social interactions and not just go from challenge to challenge to tribe to tribal. So I am a happy, happy girl. And I really was really, really a fan of seeing them back at the camp. Props to production. And now it is time for the challenge. The reward is fishing and snorkeling gear, exciting things. And part of this challenge, which I very much enjoy, is the snake maze puzzle apparatus thing that will be a point of discussion a little later because that's something I want to dig into with you because should Matthew have had the opportunity to build it in his backyard? Is, is that survivor's fault for repeating challenges or is that good on Matthew? We will get into that. But before we get into that, Claire is sitting out again, and Jeff asks if she volunteered or if it was a tribe decision, which I get Jeff can ask whatever he wants, but she says both, and Jeff just kind of looks at her and is like, huh. And my thought is, don't be blowing up her game, Jeff. If she wants to pull an Abby Maria or a Courtney or a Sandra and just sit there, let her. Let me just say, though, again, I love Claire, and I, if I were Claire, I'd probably be doing the exact same thing. I'm happy that sassy Jeff is coming back here and there. I love the drama that he can create. And I feel like he's been very lovey-dovey, very like, look at how inspirational we all are. And I love the uh, penner getting agitated by me. Like, I am here for that. And I think I saw a glimpse of it with the Claire. And I was like, yes, give me more. Give me more. I love it so much. <laughs> 
I loved it so much too. And I think that Claire is the perfect person to do that with because she can have that banter. She's very expressive. And I think that's the perfect person to do that with. So hopefully we can see more of that throughout the season. Yes, please, Jeff. More, 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 more. So we're into this challenge. Soka is killing it from the beginning. As you predicted, they are very good at these challenges. And I finally remember that Josh is here because he didn't have any confessionals or screen time earlier in the episode, but he does a snake maze. And my question is, how many times would you let the ball fall before you let someone else try? Probably zero. I would not do it. Um, no, but I... I would probably, if it fell two times, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I think that there is, you do need to get used to it. Right. Um, it's a, it's a hard thing to be able to kind of walk back on a balance beam and do all of this at one time. Um, but I know my limits and, you know, I think if it falls like a couple of times, then I think I need to put somebody else in, but that would never happen to me because I would not volunteer. So. That's a very astute answer and I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank Matthew, you. You're welcome. Matthew on the other hand did want to do this because he made a replica in his backyard and practiced with it. Do we think this is survivor's fault for being lazy or repeating challenges or do we think this is more so props to Matthew for doing his homework? A little bit of both. Um, I myself have some survivor puzzles that I've bought. Uh, Vexel puzzles on Etsy is great. Uh, and I even like took it to Christmas and we all did like a fun little survivor thing with my family. Um, so, you know, people will do puzzles. For example, Evie. Evie, they did, um, they built that little pyramid at home and it was one that they had memorized. And, um, you know, people are, survivor fans are going to survivor fan. You know, we're going to find ways to prepare for that time, that inevitable time when we go on Survivor. Um, this most definitely came up in casting. Like, like this was something, it might have even been in his audition video. I personally think that, you know, Survivor wants that moment of like, look at Survivor fans. They'll, they'll, they'll go to the, the ends of the earth for us and to prepare and blah, 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 blah. But I feel like this is not totally fair. Um, the fact that he built it in the back of his yard, backyard and practice on all of this stuff, that's amazing. 10 out of 10, that is dedication. But they knew that. Production knew that. There's no way they didn't know that. Um, and so the fact that they put it in something that was an immunity challenge, put it on the reward challenge. Like, do do something like that. But, you know, I don't think that, it, in my personal view, that that was completely fair to the other tribes who maybe don't have a backyard. Like a lot of people live in cities. They don't are not able to like build a whole replica thingy mabobber. Um, you know, they they have so and and is Survivor Fair? No, it's not. It's a television show. It's here to be entertaining. And so we can nitpick all we want. And obviously production's gonna do what they want. But I I I don't know. I think it's great on Matthew, but like maybe maybe don't do it as an immunity. I don't know. What do you think? I feel similarly. I think it is fair at least that they didn't put him and Carson on the same tribe because Carson has 3D printed multiple puzzles in his free time prior to coming. I hope that someone on Soka also has, because if not, that they would be the only people who didn't have anyone with that experience. Um, but this has been going on for a long time. Like you said, like I know David Wright in his audition video, he showed that he 3D printed some puzzles. People are going to survive or fan out and nerd out, like you said, and it's always going to happen. So 
I don't think that Survivor is going to completely do an overhaul of all of their challenges ever. That's just not what they're going to do. So it's not fair, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Oh, you've got a Vexel puzzle right here. I literally have one right here. Look, I, I didn't even plan. It was like just sitting there because I literally have the tree right here. Like you can buy these online. So there's no way that people on the tribes didn't like do things like this. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So Survivor fans are going to Survivor fan. That's what Absolutely. they're going to do. Absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes you will survive your fan and it won't make a difference because I bought the same one from Vexel Puzzles and I have the large tree one with the red, orange, and yellow color scheme. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter how many times I do it. I feel really bad for whoever's going to be in my tribe in the future because God forbid I have to be the one to do that puzzle. We're going home and I'm probably <laughs> going to be sent home. It's okay. <laughs> I've, they're I've hard. That. They're hard. And imagine doing that with like no food and like, you know, you're out in the heat. They are hard. So, you know, and prepare, you, you could probably prepare for, you know, do every single scenario, do every single thing. It's never going to turn out exactly how you like it. So obviously like they put it on there, there maybe Matt would have fallen or failed or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's production's going to do what production's going to do. That's all I could say. And you just got to roll with the punches and exactly. adapt. That's what Survivor has always been about. And Matthew for Ratu and Josh for Soka win immunity for their tribes with the puzzle. And Tika has to go to Tribal Council. So here we are after the challenge. Carson is talking with Tika. I think he says something about how he has 3D printed puzzles. He doesn't, he's proven that he's smart. So he's trying to prove his worth. I appreciate that. He said that in the last episode, though. So a lot of us trying to see how smart Carson is, which believe me, I think Carson is very smart. And then we see Carson saying, I'm going to try and play both sides. How do you feel? I, well, I, you know, great on him. Um, if I were on that tribe, obviously you don't see everything that's going on. But Jam Jam and Carolyn were literally nervous that he was going to vote with the other tribe. I think that is a great indication. I think you go with your gut. You should try to go with your gut as much as you possibly can in life and survivor. Um, and their gut was that he was going to vote with the other two. Now, I think that that is a great indication of somebody that you need to vote out because if they're going to do it on a five person tribe, you know, pre-merge, what do you think they're going to do when they get to merge? What do you think they're going to do further down the line? They are here to play the game. You know, he is smart. Somebody who plays the middle. So what I really wish that they would have done is the Rob system, you know, vote out the middleman. Like Rob always says, if somebody is the, the deciding factor, get that person out. And I totally agree that that is what should have happened. Um, not because I don't think Carson's great. I think he's great. Uh, but I just think from a player standpoint, you can't continue with somebody who actively wants to play the middle to ride that ride that gap. What do you think? I completely agree, especially if you're cognizant and aware of that's the, if that's their position. So yes, I do think that he should have been Christied like in Survivor Amazon 100%. And I also think what you said was a great point about the fact that if Carson isn't going to choose you 100% and there are this few options, you really think he's going to choose you when there's so many more options come the merge? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, but here's the thing now, did Helen and Sarah get this vibe from him? That's the big question because 
what would have needed to happen is Jam Jam and Carolyn would have needed to go to Sarah and Helen and been like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like he's playing the middle. We need to go and get Carson out. But if Helen and Sarah didn't see that and really thought that he was on their side, it wouldn't have worked. And it maybe, maybe would have stayed Carolyn, you know? So that's, that's, that's the thing. That's the balance in survivor. You got to figure out what, who you can trust and who you can't. And unfortunately for Helen, she thought she could trust um, Carson. It is very tricky. And Jam Jam tells Carolyn, everyone is gunning for her. He tells her and she's flustered. And then Carson's trying to calm her down because she's flustered. And I just love the moment where Carolyn says, I'm not normal. And she just, she just says who she is. And she, she's saying to Carson, like, let me have a moment. I am freaking out. This is a game that I have waited so long to play. It's for a million dollars. I'm just going to freak out for a second. This is just who I am. And I appreciated her saying that because I could see the panic in Carson trying to, trying to like gather her and just calm her down. But you know what? This is who you're working with. This is who casting picked. You got to roll with the punches. And I also have to say, very impressed that Carolyn is able to express how she feels in perhaps a chaotic or jarring way, and then also have really solid reads about the position of everyone on her tribe. She accurately reads that Carson is in a good spot, regardless of which pair he votes with, obviously not knowing that Sarah doesn't have a vote, but she is able to look at things pretty objectively. And she also doesn't have to be the best liar in the world because of her kooky energy and her randomness, because she says to Carson, like, you're in a good position. Why would you want to go with us? Which personally, I was a little leery. I, I think, I don't know if I would have said that per se to him, but she is going to be her for better or for worse while also having good reads. So mm-hmm. absolutely. I think this is also a great life lesson just for just in life, you know, uh, be who you are and some, you know, you just got to be unapologetically yourself. And I think a lot of people go on forever trying to hide aspects of themselves and try to enhance this part and whatever. And do I think Carolyn is going to make it all the way and win? No. Would I love that? Yes. I would love a Carolyn win. Um, but, uh, but I think it's a great, great life lesson to just, you know what, take a moment. If you're excited about something, be excited. If you're nervous, you know what, be nervous for a second. That's okay. Express that and then move on and then continue on. But take that moment you need in order to process everything. Uh, I I love Carolyn. I think she's great television. I think she is, you know, there was no way production was going to let her get voted out uh, this early because she is such great television. I'm not saying that production stepped in and did anything. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, Uh, Carolyn is going to Carolyn, and I think she's amazing. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I also give her big props that even though she is this funny mix of Goofy and Cher, as Jam Jam says, at Tribal, to fast forward a bit, she does not play her idol. Mm -hmm. Cool, calm, and collected. That is huge, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if my name had been thrown out that much that uh, that I would have, you know, kept that t- to myself. Um, this is kind of what makes me think that maybe Sarah was in on this plan to get Helen out also. Um, maybe it was uh, more unanimous than we think, because um, obviously Sarah didn't have a vote. Um, so that's kind of what makes me think that maybe it was everyone on the tribe was was going to blindside Helen, because if I were Carolyn, I would have been very nervous um, if I thought that there was this one person standing between going home and staying in the game. And I think I maybe would have played it. 
I definitely would have played it, but I saw Carolyn grip her knees with the ferocity of I don't know what, but she restrained herself and didn't. And I was so concerned that was going to be her her death knell, but I'm very glad that it wasn't. And Helen goes, very unfortunate. We love Helen, but yeah, I um I I was very sad to see Helen go. I she was obviously my winner pick. Um, but not only that, I just think that, you know, I know that she everyone on Survivor loves Survivor, so this is not new, but she's a huge Survivor fan. And uh I think she's wanted to be on on the show for a really long time. And I really don't think that she saw this coming. I could just kind of see it on her face how shocked she was. Um, and so super, super sad to see her go. I think if they had I think that's why I feel so much about Matt like this immunity because like I feel like if she had maybe one or two more days in the game I think maybe it would have been different um obviously we'll never know who knows but um yeah super super sad to see Helen go I think she would have been great uh at some strategy going on I think she would have made some amazing moves so you know but it is what it is I think so she was very very smart and in a lot of ways a threat She is someone who I said in our first episode that I would have wanted to work with. And I can't blame them for targeting her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, here's something I kind of wanted to talk about. So obviously, last season um, in 43, we saw five women go out pre-merge before, obviously, before the merge. Uh, A lot of those were in a row. I think it was like four women in a row. Um, And obviously, now we've seen two women go back to back in this um, season. I kind of wanted to talk about how we feel about these. Now, I don't like the three tribes uh, and these very small three tribes, just point blank. I think that we need to move on. Um, But part of me also thinks that like in these smaller tribes, it's, I feel like a lot of women are getting voted out way earlier than any other time. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I do think, unfortunately, with these smaller tribes, people have always put an emphasis on quote-unquote strength because there's this idea and this connotation of survivor challenges being very physically demanding and there's this assumption that men have to be the ones that dominate these challenges. But that is not the case. And I think that because these there are three tribes of six to begin with, they're smaller, there's even more of an emphasis, more of this incorrect assumption occurring that the men are just going to dominate these challenges. And unfortunately, I think the some of the women are being perceived as weaker erroneously because of this. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anybody out there, it is harder to hide with only six people. Um and I, I just think it's, you know, ugh, not a woman going home on International Women's Day. Like, that should be a crime. Uh, I was I really thought that that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, but I just I really hope that we uh, are able to not that I'm hoping anyone goes home. But next week, I just hope that we're able to see because we there are some amazing, you know, women on on these tribes. And I just really, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of see some great gameplay from them uh, and not hoping to have a repeat of last season. I agree. And even if we discuss the people who could have gone home and were the targets during the season just for the past few votes, Carolyn, another woman, 
was the other target. Mm-hmm. I know that Brandon was a target for the first vote, the first episode, but I still think that there are these biases. And I think because people are such big fans and the people on the show, I think that these contestants need to really ask themselves and think about it. What is most important? Having an Alliance member or, or, making assumptions about challenges that necessarily aren't true. Very true. And let me also say, I think this is also a great moment in time where I don't know if anybody out there is watching Australian Survivor or has watched Australian Survivor. And I'm not going to talk about any like specific gameplay or anything like that. All I'm talking about is production uh, and their challenges. Because what I've noticed in Australian Survivor is not every challenge relies on sheer brute strength. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Um, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, I, I just think that there needs to be, if challenges were more diverse, if challenges relied maybe more on, you know, puzzling or whatever, maybe people would veer away and stop thinking about like, oh, we need to have these tall, big men here all the time uh, in order for us to win these challenges. Um, and I just think, you know, diversity in the challenges would lead to, I think, more interesting gameplay because if I've I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. If something on Survivor becomes predictable, it becomes boring. That's both in terms of from the game player's uh, standpoint and from the viewer's standpoint. For example, 41 and 42, we both knew that the hourglass twist was going to happen. Obviously, they changed it a little bit, but it was predictable. We knew that it was going to happen. I just think that there's always there's always a way, and I'm not saying to add more twists. I just mean, there's always a way to make challenges different. Like we could do, there are just so many things. I have so many thoughts on this, obviously. Um, but I just am, I'm really sad to see Helen go. That's all I mean. <laughs> I'm really sad to see Helen go too. And I think that she could have offered a lot. And also to your other point about the challenges, there's so many ways to have a challenge. We don't necessarily have to be just doing a straight up puzzle That's not necessarily what either of us are saying, I don't think. Mm -mm. But there's so many other ways to have a challenge. You don't necessarily have to be doing the carry fish from one bucket to another and sort them like in Survivor Thailand. Or you don't need a, we're going to fly a kite for an immunity challenge like in Survivor Marquesas. That's not what we're saying. But there's so many different ways to have a challenge and and that they don't have to rely on brute strength. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I I always say about these challenges nowadays, I think that they are um, the same thing in different fonts. Like it ends up being this like brute strength thing and then a puzzle thing. And then and then every it it changes every time. It's not always the same exact thing. But uh, I don't know. I just think that there are ways to make it slightly more interesting, especially for the viewers. Like, you know, I don't want to see the same challenge over and over again. It gets boring. It does get boring. I do think, though, that the marooning challenge the very first day, obviously, Bruce's horrible medevac, notwithstanding, was a very interesting and entertaining challenge because they were crawling in the mud. They were doing a puzzle. We got that great moment of Carolyn trying to throw the, the hoops and all that jazz. So I thought that was very fun. So they definitely have creative juices that they could utilize even more. But I think we've I think we've uh, aired our grievances enough, and we can move on to our awards. Sorry, production. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to our awards now. So, for the Social Butterfly Award, who would you like to nominate this week for the Social Butterfly Award? 
Okay, so social butterfly, I think, is a little less clear cut this week than last week. Um, I think I might have to go Jam Jam. My reasoning is because, you know, they, Sarah knew that they needed a fourth vote in order to get Carolyn out. And they felt like, you know, because Sarah didn't have a vote. Um, and they felt like comfortable enough to go to Jam Jam. And I think that that is a good uh, indicator of somebody who can be, you know, uh, approachable. He's approachable and people want to work with him. I also think that being able to kind of just say, hey, let's go look for an idol, essentially. Um, I think if you're able to get away with that, I think you're probably a pretty social person. So I'm going to say Jam Jam on the, for this week. What about you? You've convinced me. Originally, I was going to say Carolyn, but you're right. Jam Jam was the glue that held this tribe together. He was able to say what he wanted and with the idol hunt and he was able to talk to everybody and make the plan that he wanted to happen happen so i i think we're in a consensus here that jam jam will receive the social butterfly award for this week. yeah jam jam and now on the opposite side of the spectrum who do you believe is the driver of the social struggle bus beep beep this week so i am gonna have to say it's a tie between two people and those people are um, Franny and Matt. Um, I think, you know, they're aware that they need to go out and talk to other people. And I think self-awareness is key. Um, but I think if you're aware of that, you're a step behind what needs to happen. Obviously, they've made a connection with each other. Um, but the whole tribe is kind of not vibing with the showmance slash power couple thing. Uh, and so I think that they need to put in some real, real work in order to kind of get over that. Uh, and kind of move to the next stage of the game. So I'm going to say it's a tie for me between Matt and Franny. I think that the driver's seat of the social struggle bus is going to need to uh, expand in size because we're going to add a third person to the driver's seat this week. I am going to give the social struggle bus driver award to Carson personally because I don't necessarily think he was great at hiding the fact that he was the swing vote. And I think that if you're going to be very open about it in your confessionals, brag about the fact that you feel comfortable perhaps, but I do think that it was pretty clear, at least to Jam Jam and Carolyn, that he could have gone either way. And that's, that's nerve wracking. You want to feel, especially when the numbers are this few, that the people that you're working with are solid. And I would feel very uncomfortable, even though he did vote with them, I would still feel very uncomfortable and leery of Carson going forward. Yeah, I think that's great, great point uh, um, for for Carson for that. Yeah, I think, you know, it it could be a uh, could be a, a, a shaky situation for him. Um, but hopefully he's able to be, you know, social enough in the future to kind of maybe get out of it. But I think that's a great point. Carson does have some good reads, so I think he'll be able to. But mm -hmm. now that the award show portion of this podcast has ended, I want to thank everyone so much for joining us here on the Survivor Social Podcast. As always, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and on Spotify. And if you have any hot takes of your own, please do send us a message at SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com and we'll read them here. Yes, please do. We love to hear them. Obviously, I got Carolyn level excited when we heard we got a question this week. So um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I can't wait to hear your questions. And I can't wait to break down the rest of the season with you all. Awesome. We will see you guys next time. Bye.